Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. I'm excited to preach to you today using as a subject something that I uh, called the meaning, a meaningful quality of life. And the reason why I picked that subject is I've been in a contrasting perspective of having a baby girl. And, uh, and I want to deliver to you, and I feel like that's my assignment, to deliver to you a message that I would want my baby girl to hear and what I would want her to know from the scriptures. And I believe you're going to leave here encouraged. I believe you're going to leave here with a whole lot of purpose, a whole lot of clarity. And I'm, gonna, I'm believing that Jesus is going to touch some people today. He's touched me, and, uh, and my life's never been the same, and I, I believe the same is going to happen to you. To you so uh, do you believe it? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your name. So God, I realize that without you, I am nothing. But since I am not without you, I have everything that I need in this life. So God, I pray that the person of Jesus would be revealed. And I speak breakthrough in this house in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. Let me ask you a question. Is anybody, does anybody enjoy like a good cry? But show of hands, show me. How many of you guys just enjoy a good cry? Okay, you guys are weird. You guys are weird. Like I, I don't really enjoy crying like at all because I, I've seen myself in the mirror crying and I did not like it. Maybe you should see yourself and maybe your perspective will change, okay? And so here's the thing. Like, I remember crying when I was young because I would watch a movie that, like, impacted me a whole lot. I'm talking about Braveheart. I'm talking about some gladiator. I'm talking about some castaway when Wilson's flowing away and Tom Hanks is saying, Wilson! Tear-inducing. But I'm going to tell you what. I actually went, you're like, Preston, like, where are you going with this? Well, I went... For five years, about five years without crying, about five years without crying, and uh, you know, and, and I got into the ministry, and, and maybe maybe I thought that uh, a minister should be composed and should be articulate and have his emotional composure, and maybe that's what I thought, and and I was pretty happy because I wasn't getting too emotional about stuff and didn't really you know cry. I thought I was kind of over that like the elementary stuff, and uh, something happened. Um, uh, I. Uh, after five years, I, I'm, everything changed when I met my wife. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to tell my wife or my fiance at the time or girlfriend, when I'm like trying to like tell her how I feel about her, all of a sudden, like, like this emotion goes up into my throat and it's like throbbing. And I'm like, babe, you're just so beautiful and you're there for me. And the way that I think about our life and the vastness of what's possible. And she's like, and she's kind of looking at me a little bit funny. And, and all of a sudden, like, I'm starting to tell her how I feel. And whenever I'm telling her how I feel, I start to cry. So what I start to do is make sure when I'm telling her how I feel that we're alone and there's nobody else around because I might cry. And then I started to get my feelings hurt because when I would tell her how I feel, I would start to cry. But when she would tell me how she feels, she wouldn't cry. And so I thought, that's not fair. Like, what's wrong with me? 
Well, friends, it's gotten worse. Uh, a couple uh, months ago, um, I got an unexpected phone call. It was on my day off. Dakota's at work. She's a nurse at the hospital. And I got a phone call. And I picked up the phone, and it was my wife. I said, hey, baby. And she said, did you get my text? Did you get my text? I'm like, uh, did I get? No, but, uh, like, you're on the phone, so you can tell me what your text said, you know. Did you get my text? Um, uh, no. And she says, the statement that changed my life forever. Babe, I'm pregnant. I said, ah, nah, nah, you're not, nah, babe. Remember, we had a four-year plan, and we're not getting pregnant. Uh, we're supposed to go on some vacations and build some equity and do a little stuff. You ain't pregnant. I'm like, God, are we pregnant? Like, God, I'm, I'm too uh, young for this. And God's like, apparently not. So, so uh, I'm thinking, um, yeah, babe, are you sure? And she said, uh, yeah, um, I took two pregnancy tests. And I said, okay, what did they say? I was like, maybe you read them wrong. She said, well, the little line came up, whatever. And I was like, okay. it went on my Google, and I was like, so Google, like, what does it mean when a little line comes up? Does that mean positive or negative? And, it's, and then the Google told me what it meant, double positive. And all of a sudden, I was like, okay, I, I don't know what, I'm thinking in my mind, I don't know what to do, but babe's like, babe, what do we do? And I'm like, it's okay, baby, we can handle this. It's all part of God's plan. We're going to figure it out. Just come home when you, when you can, and we'll talk you through. She's like, okay, baby, you feel like we're okay? I'm like, yeah. Hang up the phone. I'm like, we're not okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, getting on the phone, I'm like, uh, Dad, you better freaking pick up. Dad. Thank God. And so... I'm like, well, I got to continue with my day. Like, this is an emotional experience, but I got to continue. So what do I do? I, I go to Costco. So I go to Costco, and I get my, I get my gas, and, um, um, and I go in, and I pull in, and I, and I walk into Costco, and, and I'm like, I, I can't seem to, like, suppress my emotion. Like, all of a sudden, like, my eyes start welling up. And, uh, and I look in like the little FaceTime on my phone and I see like, all right, I look like I've either been crying or I'm on drugs. So I need to make sure that no one that goes to the church is going to see this. Otherwise people can start saying stuff. And so I, so I go through Costco wearing my sunglasses. So I start wearing my sunglasses, going through, picking stuff up, picking up my eggs. And then I go through the aisle where it has the, like the beets, like the powdered, like beet juice stuff. And so like all of a sudden, like it hits me and I'm not even like aware of what's happening. And then I just freeze. And did I freeze for 30 seconds? I don't know. Did I freeze for 30 minutes? I don't know. But I was frozen there and I was weeping. And all of a sudden from behind me, this kind old gentleman comes behind me and says, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. And I said, oh, Yes, and I remove my sunglasses out of courtesy, and he sees my eyes welled up. He goes, are you okay, sir? I said, the only thing I knew to say, I just found out I'm going to be a daddy. And the old man goes, oh, 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 oh. I'm out there hugging strangers. Oh, I made my day. He's crying. I'm crying. And, uh. He walks off, and I'm, like, standing there, like, how long was I standing by these beats? <laughs> so I go to the list, and, and it, gets, it gets worse, I think. Um, uh, I, I see, okay, 
Um, we've got eggs, juice, all the stuff that we need. All right, what does a pregnant woman need? And then I see the last thing, next thing on the list, and it's, it's a, I'll just tell you, it's um, uh, feminine products. And now I'm new. Like, I've been married since, uh, since uh, September 23rd of this last year, and so I'm new to, like, picking up feminine products. But we, we can get it in, at bulk at Costco, like, get a lot knocked out at once. You know what I'm saying? And so I go to the feminine product aisle, and I feel uncomfortable, and then I picked up, pick up the feminine products. I hold it in my hand, and I'm thinking, this is kind of expensive, and I wonder if pregnant people still need these feminine products. <laughs> And I thought, well, I don't want to buy and find out. I better go ahead and ask. And so I go up to the lady in the feminine products aisle over the, like, the window, like the prescriptions and all these things. And so I take her. I was like, hey, I got a kind of a weird question. She's like, yeah. And so I pick up the feminines and put it down on the, the, the desk there. And, she, and she, I was like, I don't know if I need to buy these. And she's like, well, were you sent to buy them? Are you supposed to buy them? I was like, yes and no. I was like, oh, here's the deal. All of a sudden, <laughs> My wife's pregnant. And the lady looks at me and she goes, oh, and she's crying and I'm crying. And she's like, you don't need the feminine products anymore. Oh, oh, oh. And all of a sudden, like now in life, like I cry more than I've ever cried before. And, and this like emotion, this new relationship in my life is already affecting everything else in my life. And what I was crying were these tears of like joy and peace and all these things. But oftentimes when a relationship shifts in our life, we can cry and feel tears of joys and peace. But some of you have had relationship shifts shift in your life. Where it's actually caused you to cry tears of despair and tears of sorrow, of betrayal. A relationship, a phone call can change your life relationally in a magnificent way, but how many of you know that one phone call can wreck your day, your week, and your year? Why? How do I know that you know it? Because it's happened to you. You've been there. Someone that you love, someone that you've opened up to, someone that you've invested in, a relationship that you thought you would have now, and for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, all of a sudden decides, since they're not getting from you, what they want to get from you, then they're going to move on. And you're thinking, it's like that? I thought we were friends. I thought this was different. This doesn't match the picture in my mind. And all of a sudden, we start asking ourselves about what's the meaning behind this? And we go into a turbulent place in life. I was recently, a couple months back, talking to a buddy of mine who is now saved, but he came from uh, drug addiction and living on the streets, and, and I just want to know more and be able to minister better, and so I asked him on a personal level, I said, hey, um, can you give me some clarity on something? He said, what? And I said, coming from homelessness, what is the most, uh, let's say, a misunderstood thing about it? And he says, well, I have a clear answer for you. I said, yeah, I just want to know. What, how does the public misunderstand the homeless community and the homeless world? He said, it breaks my heart. And he says, well, I'll explain. The reason why I was on the streets was not because solely I had a heroin addiction. The reason I was on the streets 
was not solely because I ran out of cash and I couldn't pay my rent. The reason I was on the streets was because I had a heroin addiction. I didn't have cash. I couldn't pay my rent and I burned all my bridges. I sabotaged my relationships. I would be, I would have been fine had I not sabotaged my relationships. What I'm saying is the issue isn't the issue, which is to say in our life and your life, what if the turbulence that you feel in your life is a byproduct of the turbulence of relationships? I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And we're going to look in and zoom in on the greatest, what I call the greatest question I think that's ever been asked. Great questions produce great answers. And, and, uh, and if you go with me, Jesus, background Jesus, his ministry's on the rise and, and he's attracting crowds and crowds of people. And all of a sudden there are some individuals, religious officials who, who aren't necessarily happy with Jesus getting more attention than they are. And the reason why is because not as many people are going to their church services and more people are going to Jesus this is church services. So what do they do? They have this assignment. So they think, okay, we're going to have to figure out how to get this guy's uh, public image tainted. So what they do is they have this strategy and they start to send uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. They, 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 they link up, which is two different religious sects and groups. And they come, they come together and they have this strategy to try and attempt to publicly humiliate and debate Jesus. They come to bring him tough questions that will cause division within his community and his crowd. So Jesus is coming right off a, a debate, uh, a, a tough question. So they pose this question to bring division, but what Jesus does is he gives an answer that divinely brings unity. And we pick up in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. And he asked them, this poor soul, he says, of all the commandments, which one is most important? Here's what he's saying. Everything. Scriptures. What's the most important thing that we do? What's the most important thing that we do that's going to produce meaning? What's the most important thing that we do? If we miss everything else, what do we do? I think some of you are looking for that clarity today. I mean, I know all the things to do and I've wasted my time doing this and that and studying and watching YouTube videos on how to be better relationally and how to figure out my issues. And what, but, but I just want to know what's the one thing? What's the one thing I need to do? And Jesus responds, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel. So he addresses the crowd. He wants everybody else to hear this. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. In other words, he's saying there's no other God beside our God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love God, the one true God. And second is this, and he's like, hold up. I asked for one commandment, but Jesus continues. Second is this, love your neighbor as you love your Self. And there's no commandment greater than these. These, plural, but commandment, singular. Which is to say, this is a singular commandment. A singular commandment broken up in three different ways. Now let's take a look at it and dissect it and pull it out. 
Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, what does that mean? Like, uh, what defines loving my neighbor? Like, how, how do you know who even is my neighbor? How, how do I define that? Maybe we know it. Maybe it's subconscious. Love is a difficult concept to define. We can uh, define it best by looking at the life of Jesus. But my question is, do we? Are we loving our neighbor? Are we loving our neighbor? Are we extending love? I think some of you here today, you've stopped extending love because you've had it withhold from you. You've stopped extending it because you weren't getting it back. And now you're empty. Here's the thing. The reason there may be conflict with you relationally is because you can't give what you don't have. You're trying to give some love to somebody else and love your neighbor. But what you don't realize is you must first love your neighbor as you love yourself. We're talking about loving ourselves. Well, I know me. And I know... I like ice cream, but everybody else thinks on Instagram that I eat lots of kale. Like, I know myself. I act like I'm eating eggs, but I'm really eating pancakes with chocolate chips. Like, I know myself. I'm an imposter. Like, I mess up a lot. A lot of people think I'm great. Well, until you love yourself and you forgive yourself, how can you forgive your neighbor? How can you extend a forgiveness that you haven't even received from yourself? Which is to say the first commandment, love the Lord your God. In order to love our neighbor, we must first have forgiveness and acceptance with God within ourself. Now that's saying no grit, no tenacity, nothing that we have inside of us will enable us to love well unless we first, hear this, receive well. How are you doing at receiving love? Can you receive the love of God? Can you forgive yourself? Maybe the reason why you can't forgive somebody else is because you can't forgive yourself. Maybe it's time. It's time today to forgive yourself. Why? Because God has covenant with you. Which means he's going to keep loving you even when you keep failing. And the reason why you can't love people in your life that continue to fail is because you can't accept that love for yourself. Which is to say, and leads us to this point, I want you to write this down, this is so important. This is so important. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. My relationship with other people is turbulent. My life's gonna be turbulent. My relationship with myself, and I'm in internal conflict, I'm going against my values, I'm gonna have internal conflict. My relationship with God is tainted, is turbulent, my life's going to be turbulent. What if it's more about relationships than we think it is? The man responds, he says, well said. Uh, man replied, you're right in saying that God is one and no one, there's no other but him. But to love him with all your heart and all your understanding, all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. What Jesus says is incredible. He, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God and from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. What, the, what did this guy do? He stated what Jesus said, but he added something. What did the man add? Whatever the man added, Jesus 
spoke and saw to as wisdom. He said, yeah, wow, there's one God, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as you love yourself, which is better than sacrifices and offerings. I wonder who here today has been sacrificing and sabotaging yourself to get into right relationship with God when God's not looking for that at all. He's just looking for your love. He just wants you to receive it. Stop striving. It's not about sacrificing or how much you can do or tithe or attend church. That stuff, it's going to wear you out unless it's first motivated by love, by relationship. Jesus, God from the Old Testament, he established a specific type of relationship with us. And and I want to uh, challenge us um, in a specific area to apply what we're talking about today. And and I'm going to talk specifically about challenging you to establish something that I think I've been challenged with quite significantly in recent days because if you've ever had someone that you've had a relationship with and invested in only for them to when you could no longer give they could no longer you could no longer give them what they wanted and when that happened they walk away then you know what it feels like to feel used Dr. Victor Frankel who is the Holocaust survivor and a psychiatrist, he writes about his arrival to the concentration camp and how mean and cruel the officers and the guards were from getting off the train to being, to being separated like cattle and like sheep to being uh, beaten and to being yelled at. But he said, what was interesting was I walked down towards, once they had separated us, I was walking down towards the place where we were to, be, to give up our possessions And he says, the guards on that little trail were smiling. I walked a little closer, and one of the guards came up and talked to me and shake my hand. He said, that was interesting. He said he couldn't quite pin it down or figure it out. Why Everyone's being so cruel, and why are these guys being so nice? Until the guy asked where he was from and spoke his language and and then asked, well, you're about to give up all your possessions, so can I have your watch? You know. Victor Frankl, he took off his watch, and which was realized he would probably never see again, and he handed it up. All of a sudden, once he handed up his watch, the individual, the man, had no more interest in him. I wonder how many of you have had relationships when you can no longer give up what they want, they have no more interest in you. And when you're giving and giving and giving and you realize that the relationship was a contract, it's hard to open up again. It's hard to love again. It's hard to feel again. So what do we do? Well, man, there are two different kinds of relationships. Did you know that? Man has a type of relationships which is called contractual relationships. But did you know that God created and established something new and something different? I'm talking about covenant relationships. Let me ask you this question. What covenant relationships do you have in your life. A, a contract can be broken. If I don't put this on the table and you don't put this on the table, then we break and sever our contract. But a covenant, that's something a little bit deeper. That's why I, I affirm and, and make sure when we're doing premarital counseling with couples, I'm saying, you guys, we ain't signing a contract. We're signing a stinking covenant, which means not it means till death do we part, not till, till you don't do the dishes 34 days in a row do we part. Like, it's not like an either or. Like, it's 
covenant. You're agreeing to the bad and the good. There's a difference, y'all, between covenant and contractual. And I'm going to break it down for you. And I'm going to give you, you guys want to write these down, three elements of a covenant relationship. And I want you to begin to think of these through the filter of the relationships in your life and also who you are to your friends and individuals in your world. And so the first one is of a, of a covenant relationship is somebody who challenges you. Somebody who challenges you. How come you're saying a covenant relationship, will, a quality of that is someone who challenges me? Well, if somebody really loves you, they're not going to tolerate you doing something that's going to hurt you. Like, when I'm out on the street, on Joe Wilson Road, when I'm a little kid, and I'm going out there, and I'm running with my blue Popeye's popsicle to go over to Nehemiah's house, and I'm running across the street, and we're playing in the street, and there's cars coming. Dad doesn't, doesn't really care about hurting my feelings at that point. He cares about the fact that I might get hit by a car and die. That's called love. Love is not necessarily synonymous with tolerance. Love is putting yourself in that space and challenging and saying, you can do better than this. You know better than this. You know what? Because I am my dad's son, he challenges me. He challenges me probably more than anyone else. My wife, Dakota, because I'm married to her, I'm better. What does challenging mean? That means because we are friends, the both of us are better. That's it. How many relationships do you have like that? Because we are friends, we're better tomorrow than we were yesterday. That's it. That's it. That's it. Nothing will challenge you like getting married. I'll tell you what. <laughs> what relationships in your life challenge you? Number two is quality is someone who will cover you. Someone will cover you, which is to say, when you're not in the room, I've got you covered. When your name gets brought up in a sly or gossipy way, I'm going to hold your reputation. I got your back. How many people in your life cover you? How many people in your life cover you? Someone who covers you is someone for when you're in need. They're the first person that you know to call. Why? Because you know they'll respond. You know that covering you is more important than their convenience. Who do you have in your life that's got you covered? Last, last one is number three, quality of a covenant relationship. Someone, I love this one, someone who celebrates you. Man, that might seem trite on the forefront. Someone who celebrates you is someone who says and believes and the statement is, when you win, I win. When you win and succeed, I've won and succeeded as well. And it's hard to celebrate someone that you're competing with. It's hard to like somebody's Instagram when you feel like they're getting farther ahead of you. What happens is in relationships, in marriages, in church life, in faith, in church world, whenever we're competing against each other, we do not have the ability to celebrate each other. The reason why we're competing against each other is because we are no longer on the same team. You want to see a relationship or a marriage that's doomed to fail? See a relationship that's filled with competition against each other. A relationship they can't celebrate each other. If you do good, I got to do better. But who in your life celebrates you? When you win, 
I win. I want to surround myself with people like that. I want to surround myself with people. Y'all hear this. I want to surround myself with people and have the people in my life that I'm not afraid to succeed too much. Okay? Because sometimes we have people in our life that we know that if we do too good, they're going to feel insecure about themselves. And they're going to go hang out with somebody else. I want the type of friend that's going to celebrate me when I win. And I want to be the type of friend that celebrates them when they win, even when they pass me up. And I pray to God they do. We got to find some friends who celebrate, to challenge you, to cover you, and to celebrate you. And here's my challenge right now. I want you to establish one covenant relationship. One covenant relationship. One. And I want you to make it formal. I want you to write it down, write that person's name, say, who is one person I need to establish covenant relationship because my relationships are contractual. Here's what this means. Here's what this means. I'm going to keep giving as long as you're not giving. Like I'm going to keep giving, even if you don't give, even if you don't meet your end of the deal, I'm going to keep giving and I'm going to be here. I'm going to love. And I'm not talking about forced love, which means I'm going to keep chasing after you even when you're running away from me. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're ready, I'm here. That's, isn't that the way God views us? The father and the prodigal son took a step toward the father and the father came running in his direction. Who are you going to go running in the direction of? Will you establish one covenant relationship? Try it out and just see the amount of meaning that God brings into your life. Now, I want to uh, share with you a scripture which is in contrast and maybe an enhancement to the last that we read. And in this scripture, we find Jesus right before he's about to be crucified with his disciples. And he's giving them kind of a commission, but he's saying this, I have a new commandment for you. Did you know that there's a new commandment Jesus brought? So what, we, we have a whole lot of commandments, but Jesus, now you're giving us a new commandment, which is brand, this is brand stinking new. Like this is right off the press, right out of the oven. Fresh, fresh, fresh to death. This is your new commandment. And here it is, John chapter 13, verse 34. Everyone's huddled around. They're tense because Jesus is saying all these weird things about him going away and not knowing where he's, where he's gonna go. And he's, Jesus says this, a new command I give to you, love one another, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Not if you perform well, not if you have perfect attendance, not if you never get in a fight with anybody. I'm talking about if you love well. The quality of your life, it's determined by the quality of your relationships. And Jesus is saying, I want you to love as I've loved. How has Jesus loved? You know what he was about to demonstrate? Sacrificial love. Jesus was about to die for people who would reject him. So is that what you're asking me to do? To give and to give and to give? What if I'm hurt again? You're going to be hurt. What if I go all in and it doesn't work out? Maybe it will happen. Maybe. But I'd rather go all in every day of my life than, and, and, and feel pain and criticism than come to the end of my life and feel nothing and have done nothing and have said nothing 
Love as I have loved you. This is the new commandment. How is Jesus loved? Jesus loves with no expectation of return. Jesus pours everything he has to give, even though Judas is about to walk out and betray him. Which is to say, this is the most important thing that I'm going to say all day, and I want you to take this to your heart in terms of your relationships and in terms of the word of God. And here it is. Relationships are temporary gifts, not eternal possessions. What does that mean? The relationship that I have, my relationships, they're temporary. But if I consider my relationships something that I possess, then all of a sudden possessions have rights attached to them. It's mine. You don't do that. It's mine. But a gift, a gift is something to be enjoyed. A gift is something to utilize. A gift is a little bit different than a possession because we have a right to a possession, but a gift that's in our life by divine nature. And if I see my gifts and I see my relationships as temporary, I can give everything that I have to give in every single season. You walk into my life for one year, I'm giving you all I got. You're in my life for 10 years, great. I'm giving you all, my, all I got. You're in my life for 45 years, great. I'm giving it all I got. And by God, I hope I have a Harley by that time. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. It's time to go all in. Give everything that we've got with no expectation of return. Love as I have loved you. What would happen if we did like that? We lived like that. What would happen as a church? What would happen as a community? What would happen to our city if we loved like that? We just gave and gave and gave and gave. Yes, I might get hurt. Yes, I might get betrayed. Yes, but guess what? I'd rather feel pain and betrayal than feel nothing at all the rest of my life. Church, that's the kind of church that we are. We're gonna be the type of church that speaks things that need to be spoken, that challenges people that need to be challenged, and that covers people that nobody else will cover. Why? Because you have a stream of love coming in your direction. You don't have to manufacture it. You just got to receive it and pour it back out. Can we live like that? If you would close your eyes for a moment of concentration and privacy as I close. And maybe you're here today and talking about a relationship with God and you're, th you're here today, you're saying, you know what? That relationship with God, it's fractured. Therefore, my relationships externally are fractured and I feel in conflict within myself. The reason you feel that way is there is one relationship that needs to be established and there is some forgiveness that you need to receive in order for you to be whole in yourself, in order for you to be whole for everybody else in your world. And if you're here today and you say, Preston, I want to reestablish, I want that relationship with Jesus, that relationship with God. The only way we can get a relationship with God is walking over the bridge of the cross of Jesus Christ and it's available for you today. And if you're here today, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond and say, Preston, that's me. I want to establish that relationship with God by accepting Jesus. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity in a second to lift your hand straight up and put it right back down when I count to three. And the reason why we do this is something kind of happens on the inside when we respond physically on the outside. And today is your day. If that's you today and you say, Preston, I wanna receive Jesus and I want to maintain and I want to step into that covenant with God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three.
God loves you so much. Two, he died so that you could have life. And three, everything changes today. If that's you, put your hand straight up, put it right back down. I see you, I see you, I see you. Who else? Who else? Who else? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Church, will you stand with me? And those of you who lifted your hands, I want to invite you with the entire congregation of believers to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. And I accept your sacrifice. Thank you for covering me. Thank you for celebrating me. Thank you for challenging me. And I choose today to step under your covenant and never be the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on church, and everybody said. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.